Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Let's open our Bibles. Book of Revelation, chapter number 3, and also Romans, chapter 10. And I hope you've come to get in, not to get out. Amen. And I've come to get in. I appreciate the good singing, the presentation. What a blessing to see this dear family heading to Ireland, and we pray for them. Pray the Lord to bless you all. And and uh, we're excited about the meeting this week. I'm, I've been looking forward to this and excited about a missions conference. Missions conference is one, if not the greatest, meetings of the year. It is the heartbeat of God, the matter of missions, reaching the gospel or reaching the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Amen. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How important is the missions conference? Well, uh, we'll see what God does this week in your hearts through this missions conference, missions revival. And someone said the effects of a missions revival is something that lasts all year long. Amen. Other meetings may uh, charge us up and get us excited about the ministry for a few weeks, a month, or a few months, but a missions conference will last all year round in your commitment to give to get the gospel around the world. I'd say this is an important meeting this week. And by no means is it because Scott Suttles here to preach, because I'm sure Brother Shiva could find a lot better than myself to preach a meeting. But it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about Him. It's about His great commission to get the gospel into all the world. And uh, as Pastor Shifflett mentioned, it's an honor to have my wife here, Jennifer, uh, Julie Payne's sister. And uh, it is a blessing to be here and get to spend a little time this week with Julie and the children. And, and also Brother Adriel, amen, amen. Good to be here with him as well, amen. I like to pick on my brother-in-law every chance I get, amen, amen, amen. I appreciate your pastor giving us this privilege. And I told your pastor before the service tonight, I said, Pastor, I know you've asked me to come. And it is my desire to try to be a blessing and a help to this church, to encourage your hearts in the matter of giving, in the matter of going, in the matter of praying, and that God will use this meeting this week to speak to our hearts. I had you turn to two passages. Let's look first at Romans chapter 10 by way of introduction for the message tonight and also by way of introduction to the meeting this week, Romans chapter 10. There are many facets to this matter of missions and many different angles that we could uh, peer into and observe during our time this week. And I think many of those facets of missions are seen in Romans chapter number 10. Matter of fact, we get a glimpse at the good news, what this conference is all about and the theme of the meeting this week in Romans chapter number 10. I want to point out a few things that we see 
in Romans chapter number 10 that pertains to missions. Romans chapter 10, and uh, look at verse number 13, if you will. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In this matter of missions, we see the all-important matter of the sinner, that one that needs the Lord Jesus Christ and his so great salvation. So we see the lost. We see that one that is the target of our gospel efforts. We see that one that is in need. We see the sin-sick that need the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the sinner in missions and who we're reaching out to with the gospel. Are you glad somebody preached the word of God to you? Are you glad you heard God's word? Are you glad you saw yourself a sinner and saw Jesus high and lifted up? Amen. That he shed his precious blood and died on that old rugged cross for your sin. Amen. And mine. I'm glad. Amen. I heard the good news. Another avenue or another facet of this uh, missions endeavor is verse number 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth... The Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus. I see the Savior. What kind of commission would we have to go if we had no message to preach? Listen, the gospel, the good news is about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, amen. We're not preaching some social gospel. We're not preaching some uh, heresy. We're preaching Christ, amen, who was crucified, was buried, and rose again the third day. We're preaching about our Savior. That is the message of missions. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? It's about Him. Then we see verse number 17, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, we see the scriptures in missions. The Bible, amen. I love the old children's song, the B-I-B-L-E, amen. Yes, that's the book for me. How shall they hear unless they hear the word of God? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the seed. That's the bread. Amen. That's the good news. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we also see verse 14. And this is an important part of missions. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Every creature needs a preacher. We believe in preaching, amen? The words of God. You say, what's more important, the preacher or the Bible, the Scripture? The answer to that is kind of like if you ask, what would you like, Boston cream pie or coconut uh, cream pie? The answer is both, amen, both. They're both important, amen. 
So you see the sinner, you see the Savior, you see the Scriptures, you see the sowers. The sowers, the preachers of the Word of God, the missionary, the ones that have surrendered to the call and said, Here I am! Send me. Send me. I'll go. I'll tell. I'll go forth. I'll go to the regions beyond. That one that has surrendered to the call, the servants of Almighty God, that's going with the gospel, amen. That's the sowers we see in verse number 14. Now that brings me to another facet or another avenue of this matter of missions that I want to deal with tonight. Verse number 15. The Bible says, And how shall they preach except they be what? What does the Bible say? Sent. I am standing before a good crowd of people, as the pastor mentioned, on a Wednesday evening. And the majority, pastor, of this crowd right here are the senders. The senders. That's going to help this dear family get to Ireland. It's going to help these other missionaries get to their fields of service. How shall they preach except they be sent? We need some senders. We need some people that's going to get under the burden and get these people to where they need to go in getting the gospel around the world. That's the church. Amen. We don't need the seed in the barn. Amen. We've got to get the seed out. And we need sowers that are sent by the senders in the house of God that will get the messengers to the field. These are the people with the supplies. These are the people that are the supplicators. These are the people that are in the local church that's going to get the word around the world. God has laid upon my heart from Revelation chapter 3 tonight. Let's turn there, please, in the Bible. Revelation chapter number 3. And as we begin this meeting this week on Wednesday night, God impressed upon my heart a message about the church. The church. How shall we be effective in getting the gospel around the world unless the church is where it should be in this all-important matter of being senders of the gospel? We need to be right so God can work through us as vessels to send the gospel around the world. We need to be right in the church. Oh, all these other avenues are important in the matter of getting the gospel around the world. But how important is it for Calvary Baptist Church to be right? For us in our hearts to be right. For us in our motives to be right. For us and our ambitions to be right. For us and our giving to be right. We need God to work on us. So we can help these missionaries. Amen. Get where they need to be. We need to be right as senders here in God's house. Now let's look at Revelation chapter number 3. 
We'll begin reading in verse number 14. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I'm glad Jesus is the Amen. I'm glad He is the faithful and true witness. I'm glad Jesus is the beginning of the creation of God. He spake, and it was. Amen. That's my God. That's my Savior. Now, he's writing here to the church of Laodicea. There's seven churches mentioned in Revelation chapter number 1, which are, the Bible says, in Asia. That's important to note. These were literal churches. In Asia, these were literal seven churches churches in that part of the world. These are not imaginary things. These are literal churches. So therefore, that application to us as God's people in a local church, in a local assembly, amen, what we're reading applies to us. Now, not only that, these seven churches, I'm sure many of you all have studied and read that they're applicable to different times during this church age. Of course, Laodicea being the last of those before the Lord's return, which would also be applicable, guess who, to us as God's people. So you can't steer around this text and say, oh, that's talking about somebody else. No, that's talking about us. That's talking about this day. It's talking about local church. It's talking about people inside those local assemblies. Amen. It's talking about us. So as we read verse 15, Revelation 3, verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now again, I emphasize that this scripture is not written to the lost and dying world. It's written to the church. It's written to God's people. And God's people was at such a state in their life, they had become lukewarm. They were neither hot nor cold. But when they were placed in the Savior's mouth, He wanted to spew them out because they were lukewarm in their fervency, in their zeal. They had not uh, been hot any longer. They had become in a lukewarm state. Now the Bible says this, verse number 16, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. This situation, this state of being of these people, God's people, made him sick that he wanted to spew them out of his mouth. Verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need, have need of nothing. 
and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I think the key to this text right here, this passage of Scripture, is one little word in verse number 17. If I could tonight, I want to draw your attention to one word in this verse. Verse number 17. And have, in the middle of the verse, and have need of nothing. Now you've read the text before. You know what the Bible says. They felt like they had no need in their life. Absolutely zero. Their view, pastor, of their need, they needed absolutely nothing. Zero is what they needed. You know, when God looked into their situation, He said, you do have needs, but you just can't see it. I want to preach tonight, and this is the thought of the message what God knows I need. That's the title of the message. What God knows I need. The strange thing about this passage to me, this is, this is the church. This is God's people. They had needs. They just couldn't see it. They had areas that they needed help in but they were oblivious to their own needs. They had them, they just couldn't see them. And oftentimes what we think we need is a whole different ballgame from what God knows I need. Do you see that tonight? Do you see it? That's what God showed me out of this text. As I read through this text, their idea of their need was totally different from God's idea of their need in the church. In the church. Now we know the world needs Jesus. That's why we're here this week. That's why flags are hung from these different countries around the world. Amen. The world needs Jesus. We know that. But through the Lord's help tonight and His Word, I want us to look inwardly. And listen, God will help us in missions if we get this right on the inside. Amen? In the church, if we get our heart and needs met what God wants us to have, then listen, we won't have any trouble trying to reach out to the world. But we got to get right on the inside. In God's house, among God's people, we have to be right Amen. for the great commission to be fulfilled. Yeah. We've got to be right in the church. Now, I asked God as I read through this text, I said, Lord, I just don't want to find stuff I can preach somebody else. God, I want you to show me what I need. I want you to show me where I lack. God, I want you to show me where I can draw closer to you. I want you to help my heart. And I began to look at God's view of what this church needed. 
God said of them in verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They were in a bad state and they didn't know it. They didn't know it. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. God, help me to see my need. And I hope as you listen tonight, and I'll try not to be long. I don't want to wear you out on the first night. I want you to come back again, amen? But I want you for just a few moments, I want you not to think about the person sitting beside him and say, oh, sister so-and-so, she needed that. Or brother so-and-so, oh, preacher, I'm glad you preached on that. He needed that tonight. No, I want you to look at your own heart and say, God, help me see, see my own need. And I tell you, we won't have any issue with getting on board with missions if we get right on the inside, amen? Now, here's what God saw of the need of the church of Laodicea. This is what God said they needed. By the way, that's all that matters anyway. Sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. And what we need to do is God to erase that chalkboard, amen, or the whiteboard now, chalkboard's old-timey, amen. Erase that whiteboard and start afresh and anew in your heart and let you see what God has figured out, amen. Number one, let's look at the first point. This is what God knows that I need. Number one, in verse number 18, chapter 3, verse 18, the first three words, I counsel thee. Number one tonight, God shows how they need God's counsel. They need God's thoughts and not theirs. They need God's advice and not theirs. They need God's instructions, and not theirs. You know, in missions giving, and we'll talk some this week about giving to Faith Promise Missions, and being a giver, a sender of these that's getting the gospel around the world. And it's easy to get the checkbook out and figure out exactly what will fit, fit real snugly and nice in your plans and your things, and I tell you what you need this week is to pray and ask what God would have you give. You need God's counsel, not your own. You need God's advice. You need God's ideas, amen. You need to hear from heaven. That's what we need. We need God's counsel. By the way, God gives the best advice. You can go to a lot of places and try to seek out advice, but you'll find no better place than getting to the feet of Jesus, amen, and learning what Jesus wants you to know. God gives the best advice. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, talking about that uh, child that, or son, or child that would be born, son would be given. His name shall be called Wonderful, and he is wonderful, amen. But the second title there is Counselor, Counselor. Amen. No better advice than what you'll find listening to Jesus. You'll never go wrong listening to him. Amen. 
I'm sure this family that's going to Ireland, they spent time in prayer seeking God's advice and counsel about this matter of taking the gospel to Ireland, amen. And oh, what peace and satisfaction knowing that the decision that's been made is what God wants, amen. Nothing better than that, than to have God's advice, God's direction. Number two tonight, verse number 18. I counsel thee, we see God's counsel, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. You said, I thought they were poor. God said of them in verse number 17 that they were increased with goods. They said they were rich. Uh, They had many possessions, but God said they were poor. Number two tonight, we need God's capital. We need God's riches. You know the world's all messed up in the head? They associate material things with the blessings of God. Listen, some of God's people's messed up with that. Some of the poorest places on the face of this globe are some of the happiest Christians on the face of the earth. Because they found wealth from a different source that is not, amen, Gold and silver and material possessions and things and money of this life, they found riches in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Amen. I'm glad I'm rich in Jesus. Amen. You can keep earth's wealth and riches. Just give me Jesus. Amen. I'm wealthy in the Lord. You know, uh, material things uh, will buy nice comforts and make you comfortable. But God said these people in the church in Laodicea had all these things, but they were miserable and they were poor. You know, I've observed, and you may have too, that some of the most wealthy people in the world are some of the most miserable people in the world. The more they get, the more they want, the more they have to protect and hide and and, uh, secure. It's just a blessing to know Jesus. Peter said there, as they met that lame man at the gate that was asking alms, They looked him in the eyes, and Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. I don't think Peter was lying. He was broke. He did not have one coin in his pocket. Silver and gold have I none, but, hallelujah, but, Such as I have, give I thee. As poor, yet making many rich. Amen. Boy, it's good to see people get saved. It's good to see these missionaries winning people to God. Amen. It's good to see people getting saved right here in Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. Amen. The riches that only heaven can give. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. I'd rather have God's capital 
than all of earth's riches. So we see the, the riches of God, Revelation chapter 3, God's capital. That's what we need, church. That's what we need. I appreciate the prayer ministry this church has. It's already. I know our pastor and a man with our pastor, one of the men of our church, came here to observe your prayer ministry. And it's already making a difference in our church in Greenville. We've got that thing up and running and praying over those names, amen, on Wednesday night, those that need the Lord, amen. We're already getting reports, amen, of people being saved. Hallelujah. That's God's riches. That's God's capital, amen. There's other things we could say, the trial of our faith being much more precious than the gold that perisheth, amen. Listen. Your investment in the work of God reaps very rich dividends. Amen? Invest in the work of God. You say, oh, those Christians, they're fanatics. They give all, they're wasting all that money given to missions, something they'll never see and, and don't have any idea, you know, where all it ends up and all that stuff. Listen, you will not make any more wise investment than given to the work of God. Amen. You can take that to the bank. Amen. To heaven's bank. Laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Heaven's riches. Heaven's riches. The church I pastored in Virginia for 10 years and was an assistant there I was 17 years close to it there at that church, Spring City Baptist Church in Cleveland, Virginia, for those years. And there was a period during that time that our people, just a small congregation at that time, we had about 80 people with adults and children. One of those years gave $193,000 to missions. And it was farmers, it was hard Workers, we didn't have a lot of wealthy people, but you know what they were doing? They were making an investment in eternity. Some of those people worked extra jobs on the side so they could give their faith promise a commitment. They were doing extra stuff to try to bring in money for missions. Some of their highest expenditures in their checkbook was for missions every month, above their time. Because their heart was in it. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Listen, I want to challenge you this week to make an investment in something besides you. Make an investment in eternity. Make an investment. You that are given to missions, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen? What a blessing it is to give to missions. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Amen. That's God's capital. Now let's look at something else. Verse 18, And white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. We need number three, God's clothing. God's clothing. There are so many different angles we could spend on this. Amen. I believe a Christian ought to dress right and talk right and walk right. Amen. 
Amen. But I think this has reference even to something a little deeper even than the outward appearance. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Well, I'm having a good time. I hope you're still plugged in here with me. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 22. The Bible says this. That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the seedful lust. Just like a garment, you're putting off the works of the flesh, that former conversation, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Putting off, putting on. Getting rid of those old garments, putting on something new and fresh and pure and clean and holy, amen, righteous. The Bible says in verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. We need God's people just to start being honest again. Honest with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Honest with God Almighty, amen, and uh, be true and honest with, your, with, with yourself before God. Be honest with your own heart. We need some honesty. That's being clothed with God's clothing. The Bible says in verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. Amen. Quit robbing God. Amen. Give to God. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. We need a checkup, amen. Verse 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know if a church started getting right with each other, you know what God could do with this place? Brothers and sisters getting right one with another, been bitter for years and holding a grudge and won't get in there and fellowship and work one with another. Man, if you, if you get a congregation of people this size that's linked arm in arm to do something for God and to work for God, oh my, what a difference it'll make. Amen. Listen, I don't know you guys. I really don't. I know Julian Adriel, amen. If, if you want to think I'm preaching at someone, it'd have to be Adriel over here, amen. Amen. But anyway, I know local churches. I pastored a church. And there's things can enter into that congregation, that body that will try to divide, it will try to destroy. And listen, as a church... If we can see what God sees us as, if we can let God point out to us our need, that we need to be clothed as he would have us to be clothed, it'll make a difference in us reaching the world for Jesus Christ. It'll make a difference. That begins, judgment must first begin at the house of God. We've got to get right in here so we can get the gospel out there. We've got to get right in here.
Number four tonight, let's look at another thing. The Bible says this in verse 18, the last phrase of the verse. And anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. We need, number four, God's clarity. We need to see clearly. This verse was impressed upon my heart on Saturday night prayer meeting when I was an assistant pastor under Brother Brent Logan in Virginia, the brother to Joel Logan, whom I work with now at Tabernacle. I was here. I, this is my second time being an assistant for a Logan brother. But every Saturday night, I'd hear Brother Logan pray and say, God, anoint our eyes with salve that we might see. God, stick whatever ointment you need to in my eyes and rub that in that I might see clearly. You remember the servant of Elisha that was worried about all these armies that had gathered around the house and he could not see for his life how in the world they were going to get out of that situation. And the prophet of God, the seer, amen, had seen a heavenly vision, amen. He said, you go out there and look again. And he went out there and saw the armies of God and the chariots and horses of fire. And God opened his eyes that he could see beyond his current situation. We need God to open our eyes. We need God to give us heavenly eyesight, God to anoint our eyes with eyesight so we can see clearly. We need to see clearly the need of the world. I don't think most people comprehend how great the need is in India, in China, these other places, and listen, all around the world, the need is so great. God, open our eyes. Anoint our eyes. Give us clarity. God's clarity. We need our eyes opened. Number five, verse 19. Boy, we don't like this one, but we need it. We need it. I don't think any of us go around asking for it, but we need it. Revelation 3, verse 19. As many as I love. I'm glad God loves me. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. We need God's chastening. We need God's chastening. We get out of line, we need God to straighten us up. Amen. Don't resist the chastening hand of God. Amen. God tells you something in your life that you need to give attention to. Don't turn your head. Don't turn a deaf ear. Listen to God's chastening in your life. The Bible says the result of that is repentance. Listen, repentance and faith, I believe that's part of us receiving Christ as a Savior. As a sinner, I come before God and acknowledge I'm a sinner and say, Oh God, I'm sorry for my sin. Would you save my soul? And by faith you call upon the name of the Lord. But listen, we need 
1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I was looking through these verses, God said, that's what you need. You just need to humble yourself before God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've not been what I should be. I've not been all I could be. God, I've let things enter in and distract and hinder. We just need to call out to God. God, help us. We need God's chastening. We need that. As children of God, we need it. Those little little kids running around, listen, I know they're just, God hung the earth on them, you know, everybody just tickled to death about their kids. But listen, if you're an honest parent, you know those little ones, they need some instruction, amen, in righteousness. They need, need some correction. So they'll be, and as odd as it may be, that is an expression of love. God said it was. Amen. A child that's never turned from the error of their ways. Listen, talk about child abuse. Somebody just lets the kid make up their own mind, do their own thing, go their own way. Listen, we need God's correction. We need God's correction. Number five, we need God's chastening. Now, the last thing, I want you to see this in verse number 20. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The Lord's knocking. The Lord's knocking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him. And we and and he with me. Number six, I need God's communion. I need God's fellowship. I need to extend the invitation to him. You know, Jesus invited us to come. I'm glad he did, amen. Spirit and the bride say come. Amen. I'm glad I've been invited to Jesus. But now the invitation after you get saved needs to come from you when Jesus is at the door and wanting to fellowship. You are to invite him in. Come on in, Lord. Let's spend some time together. Let's commune. He's knocking at the door. Will you let the Lord in? If we're going to reach a world with the gospel, we need to have the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We emphasize the mechanics and all the money and all the different strategy to try to get the gospel to, around this globe. But there's no greater strategy than where it begins is in that prayer closet and communing with the Lord himself.
spending time with God. God showed me some things in Revelation 3 that I need. That I need. How about you? How about you, church? Calvary Baptist Church of Dundalk, Maryland. What a great church. What a great pastor. What a great congregation you have. But can God look into your heart tonight? Do you have a need? Has God showed you something in your life? Listen, I think it will make us a better congregation, a better church to reach this world with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege to preach tonight. Lord, we pray you would help our hearts. Lord, help us to see our own need. Lord, not what we 